passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good evening. Tomorrow is December 30th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily Bowl Preview Series. I'm your producer, Tony Levitt, and there are four bowls to preview today. Our first preview is the Sev Pro First Responders Bowl between Western Kentucky and Western Michigan. And straight from his parents' house, we have Trey Scott to break it all down for you. All right, it's time to get you guys ready for the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. This bowl game will be Monday, December 30th at 1130 a.m. Central Time, so 1230 Eastern. And it's going to be in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, Dallas, Texas at the Gerald J. Ford Stadium which is where SMU plays football. Did you know this is not actually named after President Gerald Ford? So fun fact for you. Anyway, it's a battle of the Westerns. Western Michigan, 7-5. and five. Western Kentucky, 8-4. and four. I'm excited for it. Western Michigan coach. It's not P.J. Fleck anymore, obviously. His name is Tim Lester. 6-6 six and six the first year after taking over from Fleck, for Fleck. 7-6 and six last year. 7-5 and five this year. He's going for win number 8. You might be more familiar with Western Kentucky coach Tyson Helton. Went 8-4 and four in his first year. The Hilltoppers quickly have moved on from the disaster that was the two-year Mike Sanford era when they went 6-7 and seven, and then 3-9 and nine last year. That's not going to fly at Western Kentucky. They're traditionally a breeding ground for coaches. Willie Taggart, a one-year Bobby Petrino reclamation project. Jeff Brom. So given the fact that the Hilltoppers are 8-4 and four in Helton's first year, means he probably won't be there for too long, but they're going to enjoy him while they have him, which honestly is better than USC can say about his older brother, Clay. When Western Michigan is on offense, this could be pretty good. They rank 19th in the country in yards per play. Senior running back Levante Bellamy has scored 23 rushing touchdowns with 1,412 yards. He's kind of, kind of hobbled right now, nursing a knee injury. But he's going to play. I'm excited to watch him go. On defense, Western Kentucky, I mean, get this. They're 40th in total defense. Fine, whatever. Defensive lineman D'Angelo Malone, again, a defensive lineman, is credited with 90 total tackles. That's just absurd. 11 and a half sacks, 16 quarterback carries. Is D'Angelo Malone a real person? I have... I have to know, 90 total tackles, that's obscene for a defensive lineman. In fact, I went and looked, according to my research, 90 tackles leads all defensive linemen in college football. He's 6'4", 233 pounds, he's a two-star recruit from Georgia. I think he has an NFL future. When Western Kentucky is on offense, not as good. Lucky Jackson is the best player there. 
this offense ranks 83rd in yards per play. Lucky Jackson, 77 catches, 985 yards, three touchdowns. Getting the ball from former four-star quarterback recruit Ty Story, a former Arkansas quarterback pledge, 22 for 32, 213 yards and a touchdown and a win over his former Arkansas team. Yes, you probably remember Western Kentucky blasted Arkansas. It's the last straw for Chad Morris there. On the other side of the ball, when Western Michigan's on defense, not very good. 85th in the country. But junior linebacker Treshawn Hayward was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year. He's made a few All-American teams. 132 tackles, fifth most in the country. Uh, added five sacks and ten and a half tackles for loss. So, look, the battle here comes down to when Western Michigan has the ball and when Western Kentucky's on defense. That's going to decide the game. That's going to decide the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. Thanks, Trey. Up next, we have the Music City Bowl between Mississippi State and Louisville, which will take place just down the road from here in Nashville. Michael McCammon and Jody Demling from the Cards cast will have this preview in three, two. Senior writer from Cardinal Authority, Michael McCammon here with publisher Jody Demling. Jody, it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, we've been out and, and seen the, 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 we've talked to the players and the coaches about how practice is going, and you can feel the excitement, obviously, a lot for it coming off the season from last year. Uh, you know, but you got to kind of like the, the attitude and the, the preparation from what we're hearing from the coaches. They prep for this matchup with Mississippi State on December 30th down in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, I like where Louisville's at right now. I mean, hey, look, it's better than last year. They're in a bowl game. Yeah, Louisville, Mississippi yeah. State in the in the Music City Bowl uh, on uh, on December the 30th. It'll be a 4 o'clock Louisville time game. And it, it's one of those deals where uh, for both of these teams, I think it's uh, – there's – it, it, it's it's an interesting matchup. You know, I mean, Mississippi State is a team that could end the season for, I think, only the second or third time in school history with a three-game winning streak to end a season. And it's been a kind of a, a weird season for them. They've had all those guys suspended throughout the entire year. Um, I think eight guys in total or eight different games. Eight, eight games is what they were, they were suspended. But, uh, you know, most of those guys are back, if not all of them. And for Louisville – they went from you know two and ten to uh, to actually making a bowl game and in, in the uh, uh, coaching change and everything else. So an intriguing matchup to me uh, in the Music City Bowl. I, I believe uh, it's going to all come down. I mean, look, Louisville's def- Louisville's offense has moved the ball against everybody pretty much. Yeah. Um, they didn't play great in the last game against Kentucky the regular season. On offense, they did have. Uh, quite a few guys that were sick. Not that it really would have mattered because the defense couldn't stop anybody. But I think it's going to come down to the Louisville defense and can they tackle? Um, will they be able to, um, uh, to to make some plays and to tackle Kylan Hill? Yeah, you know, and talking to University of Louisville defensive coordinator Brian Brown the other day after practice, you know, and he brought that up. Obviously, they've been working about, as we've shared uh, on Cardinal Authority, a lot of the focus early at least, has just been kind of getting back to the fundamentals, getting some of the younger guys some reps and kind of getting them started early on 2020. But they're, you know, starting to shift more into game prep and and focusing on Mississippi State. And, you know, as we were talking to him after practice, you know, Coach Brown kind of had that sarcastic laugh. Hey, you know, we're working on tackling again, you know, and it's, it's been a season-long thing. So, yeah, I think you're right. They, obviously, they laid pretty big egg against Kentucky trying to stop, you know, their running game. And, you know, and, and talking to them, it sounds like that's part of the fuel, being in the bowl games, fueling them. You know, how they went out the, the last game, they want to overcome that and say, hey, look, that's not how we were all year long. 
um, even though they did have struggles. Obviously, that seemed like their worst, you know, defensive performance, especially against the run. So they've got multiple motivating factors here, and and, and you like to hear that um, how they'll respond. You know, they've struggled with tackling, like you said, all season long. So you can't you got to assume that that struggle is going to continue in the ball game, but hopefully this kind of extra attention during the fundamentals will improve things in a little bit. And like coach Brown said, this team will pass the ball some unlike Kentucky. So, you know, they've got multiple, you know, things they've got to take care of. They got to shore up some of their past defense as well. So it's certainly going to be a challenge. And I think you're right. I think it comes straight down to how this, you know, Louisville defense will play. Colin Hill, the first team, all SEC running back 1,347 yards on this season. I mean, he is one of the, if not the best back uh, that they've seen this year. And they've seen a lot of really good backs. Um, it is, it, it's going to be interesting uh, how this Louisville defense can hold up. They'll be without Rush East. He was injured uh, in the Syracuse game, late in the Syracuse game, a knee injury. He'll be back in, in spring ball coming up here in just a couple of months, but he will not play in the bowl game. Pretty healthy otherwise than that. Michael, the lo- bottom line for Louisville's defense, they just don't have a lot of bodies. They knew it was going to be that way all season. They don't have a lot of depth, and, and it has hurt them at times. Uh, they just kind of – I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but at times Brian Brown and his staff have kind of done it with a little bit of that, and uh, and, and that's uh, – you know that's uh, that's that's just the that's the deal, and uh, and, it, and that's yep. just the way it's 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 been all year for Louisville's defense, and I don't think it's going to change uh, now. Uh, true freshman Garrett Schrader, by the way, will make his fifth career start against the Cardinals. Um, I, you know, last time that a true freshman uh, made a start against Louisville in a bowl game was Keontae Thompson in the 2017 Tax Slayer Bowl, and all he did uh, was guide Mississippi <laughs> State to its uh, to a win there. Uh, he rushed for 147 yards and 27 carries and three touchdowns against Louisville. So uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, be the same thing there for the Louisville Cardinals. As far as offense is concerned for Louisville, uh, Mississippi State, a very good defense, Michael. But Javion Hawkins and Mikhail Cunningham, Hassan Hall, guys like that, Des Fitzpatrick, Seth Dawkins, Tutu Atwell, they have made things happen all season. Yeah, and I, I, I like you mentioned earlier. I think the offense will find some success. You know, made obviously. I don't think they're going to do it on every drive. But when you got somebody like Javion Hawkins and, and Mikhail Cunningham, you know, they've shown their ability to be consistent throughout the season. I think that will continue as well. Obviously, the Cardinals, as we know, playing without Mackay Becton, who's going to sit out the bowl game as he begins his preparing for his NFL draft. You know, so Adonis Boone, who, who filled in for him, you know, earlier in the year. Uh, when he had that that injury, played well, so he's got a, another opportunity where he's got to step in and play big for the Cardinals as well. Um, you know, and when I look at the Mississippi State defense, you know, a lot of it is up front. They have a really big defensive front, so it's going to be interesting to see how they will attack Adonis and maybe see if that's a potential weak point. But even with that, you know. Like I said, he played well, and I really like – it's been very difficult for anybody to stop Javion. And like we heard from the coaches yesterday out at Cardinal Stadium, you know, Javion, in his first year, we're seeing what he can do, is probably a guy that, as he progresses, is going to develop into somebody like this Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. So I don't think they'll be – you know, they may slow him down here and there, but I think he's going to have his big plays. And then when you toss in Tutu Atwell and then what Mikhail can do with his arm and his legs, the offense is going to put up some points. So it's just going to come down to how many times can the, the defense stop the Mississippi State offense. And really, when we've seen Louisville succeed defensively, they've created some turnovers. So, you know, that's always a key. And I think if Louisville wants to, you know, have a good chance of winning this game, they're going to have to make at least one or two turnovers from that Mississippi State offense. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, as we kind of wrap up, I, I to me, the biggest keys in this game moving forward 
uh, for Louisville. A, can they at least? And I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying just totally stonewall Kylan Hill, but can they at least slow him down a little bit? You yeah, know, can yeah. they just at least get him slowed down a little bit? I, I think they'll be able to slow him a little just because they've had time. They did lay an egg against Kentucky, and it, it won't be that bad, I don't think. But to me, the biggest key is turnovers. When Louisville wins the turnover battle, they are much, much better. And special teams. Hassan Hall has been yeah. deadly in special teams all season. But remember, Louisville without uh, one of the best kickers in school history, Blanton Creaky, uh, he'll not play his last uh, game of his senior year. He's missed, uh, I think, five games, four games uh, with that knee injury. Ryan Shalifo, uh is uh, is 0 for one in his uh, uh, in his debut. Uh, the only kick, the only field goal that he has attempted, he's missed. And Mason King, the, the punter. So they're going to have to win special teams uh, because you know you might not win. Uh, defense, you know, you're going to battle there to win defense. So if you can win special teams and win offense, uh, then uh, then there you go. You can uh, you can win a bowl game. I think Louisville's going it, to it's a four point spread. It started at three and a half. I think Louisville's got a pretty good chance, but uh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be an uphill battle uh, for the Cardinals, just like it has been in every game this year uh, until they build the depth. It's it's just going to be tough but they'll still battle for it. It'll be December 30th, Louisville, Mississippi State, in the Music City Bowl down in Nashville, Tennessee. This has been a bowl preview edition of Cardscast. Good stuff, fellas. Next up, we have another tag team. Previewing the Red Box Bowl between Cal and Illinois, we have Blair Angulo from the West of the Rest podcast and Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer. Hello, my name is Blair Angulo from 24-7 Sports, and I'm here to preview the Red Box Bowl between Cal and Illinois for the College Football Daily from a Cal perspective. For me, the biggest question heading into this matchup is which version of Cal will we get? The Golden Bears were very streaky this year, winning their first four games, including impressive road victories at Washington and at Ole Miss that had Justin Wilcox's group in the top 25 rankings before they lost four in a row, including at Oregon and at Utah, the two teams that met for the Pac-12 championship. Cal did finish strong, winning three of four to close out the regular season, so they are an up-and-down program, and I'm excited to see which version of Cal shows up. Much of that inconsistency has to do with quarterback Chase Garbers, who is reason alone to tune into this bull matchup. The redshirt sophomore has dealt with injuries this season, so it's been difficult to get that rhythm that that program needs. But when he's on the field, he is one of the more entertaining quarterbacks in the conference. He's got the ability to pull the ball and run to pick up key first downs, but he's particularly tough in the red zone and near the goal line. And a lot of the Pac-12 coaches have been impressed with his gamer mentality. Garbers has put up some big performances throwing the ball as well. He had over 230 yards in a victory against UCLA. He had over 280 passing yards against Stanford the week before that in late November. So he's going into this game at Levi Stadium with some confidence. As far as the X factors for Cal, it all starts with senior linebacker Evan Weaver. He's a tremendous defender who cleans up everything near and around the box. He had over 170 total tackles during the regular season and did enough throughout his college career to generate NFL draft buzz as a potential late round selection. Ashton Davis is another player to watch in that Cal defense. He's a former walk-on, a track and field star who is garnering his share of NFL draft attention. Uh, He's got an intriguing upside at safety as the instincts in open space and it's constantly around the football. So watch out for Ashton Davis as well. 
I like the Golden Bears in this one. I think Weaver will lead a strong defensive effort, and Cal will get enough out of Garbers and running back Christopher Brown Jr., who averaged over six yards per carry in that regular season finale against UCLA. And Cal will be motivated to reach eight wins for the first time since 2015. I've got it, Cal, 27, Illinois, 16. If you want to hear more about the Golden Bears and the rest of the Pac-12 recruiting landscape, you can check out 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman and I on the West of the Rest podcast, where you wherever you find your podcast. We release episodes once a week, typically on Thursday or Friday heading into the weekend. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Red Box Bowl, and I am Blair Angulo signing off. Hello, this is Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer, and I'm here to preview the Red Box Bowl between Illinois and California for the College Football Daily. Monday's 3 p.m. Central Time kickoff on Fox is a battle of two teams that made big strides this season under head coaches who undertook rebuilds. For many college football fans, this may be their first and closest look at Lovey Smith as a college coach. The former Bears and Buccaneers coach may look different with a snow-white beard, but he has helped rejuvenate a downtrodden Illini program. Things didn't look great for Illini or Lovey midseason as Illinois struggled to a 2-4 and four start, but the Illini had a fantastic turnaround, starting with the biggest upset in program history over number 6 Wisconsin. That led to a program their first four-game Big Ten win streak since 2001 and clinched the bowl bid in the program's biggest ever comeback, overcoming a 28-3 deficit to beat Michigan State in the final seconds. This is Illinois' first bowl game since 2014, and they'll try to win their first bowl game and end the season with a winning record for the first time since 2011. This is a matchup of two similar teams built on defense. They feature two of the nation's leading tacklers, Cal's Evan Weaver and the Illini's Dele Harding, so they'll face off. Uh, And Lovey Smith's defense is really reliant on takeaway and as one of the nation's leaders with about three per game, they lead the country as well in defensive touchdowns. Illini have a winning record of 5-2 and two this season when they win the turnover battle, so that will be a key. But the Illini also need to find a pass rush to do so. They have zero sacks over the last three games, so they'll need more from USC transfer Olawole Batiku, who had seven sacks during his first four games, but has really cooled off since then. On offense, Illinois has only scored 20 points the last two games against Iowa Northwestern, both losses. The key there will be quarterback Brandon Peters, who returns after missing last game with a concussion. The line are 6-4 and four when Peters starts games. He doesn't have as many wide receivers, though, so the Michigan transfer is going to have to find uh, some work with young receivers like Casey Washington. Uh, starter Ricky Smalling and Trayvon Sidney are out for the season. Joshi Matorbebe, who's been their go-to wide receiver all year, seems doubtful with a knee injury. Uh, so they'll need to step up and, and find some way to stretch the field to help out their running backs, Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown, who are very effective. But teams have been loading the box against Illinois, and Cal has one of the better defensive fronts in the Pac-12. So that would be a challenge for Illinois. These two teams are very, very similar, and likely this game will come down to which quarterback makes more plays and makes fewer mistakes. Cal has been very good when Chase Garbers has been playing, and they enter this game with a little bit more momentum, scoring more points, and they've won three of their last four games. So I expect this to be a close game, but give me Cal in a close one at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. Good stuff, guys. Last up, we have Thomas Goldcamp from Swamp 247 to preview the Capital One Orange Bowl between Florida and Virginia. Hello, my name is Thomas Goldcamp from the Swamp 24-7 podcast, and I'm here to preview the Capital One Orange Bowl between number 9 Florida and number 24 Virginia for the College Football Daily. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Obviously, this game is not necessarily the most intriguing matchup on paper. Virginia coming off a four-loss season in the ACC. Uh, The Florida Gators not quite able to keep up to the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC East, but still two teams that are going to be playing for a New Year's Six Bowl for Florida. 
This will be the second straight New Year's Six Bowl for Dan Mullen and the Gators, uh, which is obviously a big step for Florida in terms of keeping their program on track, beginning to, you know, kind of raise their national profile once again uh, to, you know, where it was probably a decade ago. And for Virginia, you know, this being their first Orange Bowl matchup, obviously a whole lot to play for. You know, Bronco Mendenhall, the coach at Virginia, has done a heck of a job getting his team ready to play. And I think this matchup uh, is interesting in that sense because, uh, you know, these these types of bowl games where um, you have two teams that come in with maybe very different motivations. Um, you know, for Florida, it's maintaining consistency and winning. Um, and for Virginia, it's, you know, coming in as a fairly big underdog and having the chance to spring an upset. Uh, we see this all the time in bowl season where games are decided by teams that maybe a lot of people aren't expecting to win. And I think Virginia certainly comes into this game with that role. And for Florida, the question is going to be, can the Gators stay locked in mentally enough to really compete with a very good Virginia team? Um, you know, this is a team that won nine games for a reason. They were in the ACC championship game with a chance against Clemson uh, to prove themselves. And, you know, obviously those two programs are on very different levels. But when you look at what Virginia can do, I also think this matchup gets intriguing because Florida, some of the things that the Gators have struggled with this season in 2019 are things that Virginia's good at. Uh, most specifically, I would say quarterback Bryce Perkins for Virginia is going to have to play well to give the Cavaliers a chance, and he is certainly capable of doing that. He is a very athletic, dual-threat quarterback, which if you go back and look through Florida's season, is something the Gators have really kind of struggled with. Um, you know, Towson QB, Tom Flacco really hurt him with his legs. Same thing for LSU's Joe Burrow. Um, so the Florida defense, you know, as good as, as, good as it has been and uh, as aggressive as it has been under defensive coordinator Todd Grantham, uh, the Gators have been vulnerable, especially to quarterbacks that can run and make things happen when Florida dials it back on the pass rush and really comes after you. So I think that's one area that's going to be really intriguing, uh, you know, worth keeping an eye on this game. One thing kind of, you know, going along with that as a note is that Florida will be a little bit healthier on defense than it has been really since uh, the first month of the season or so. Now, the Gators will be playing this game without star cornerback C.J. Henderson. Henderson announced that he will enter the NFL draft. And so that's obviously a big loss for Florida, particularly when you look at some of the other strengths for Virginia outside of quarterback Bryce Perkins. You know, Perkins has been extremely effective both running the ball, where he has 745 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns, but he's also been quite, quite good with his arm, throwing for more than 3,200 yards this season, uh, connecting for 18 touchdown passes. And so Florida being without Henderson uh, will definitely hurt that defense a little bit. But I think, you know, I think the bigger concern for Florida is obviously, you know, Perkins's legs and his ability to extend plays with his legs. And to that end, Florida actually will be a little bit healthier this game. Star defensive end Jabari Zaniga is expected to return to the lineup. He's practicing in bowl practices for Florida. Dan Mullen says he should play. And if he does, that gives the Gators two very good bookend defensive ends. You know, uh, Jonathan Grenard obviously being the other for Florida. Uh, those are two guys that can really push the pocket, affect the quarterback. It's just going to be about discipline discipline for Florida. And again, it all comes back to can Florida, you know, show up with the right mentality, locked in and really play disciplined assignment football in a game where they stand to lose a lot more than Virginia than Virginia, excuse me. You know, with Virginia obviously having the chance to play the underdog role and and really spring what would be a pretty big upset in, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl that they never been to. So, uh one other thing that I think that stands out Virginia has three very good receivers, um, three guys that have over 600 yards receiving, uh, have combined for 12 touchdowns between them. And so you look at that Florida secondary, again, if there's one area that Florida's been a little up and down this season, it is on defense. Uh, the secondary has played better in the last month of the season, 
Um, but, you know, Florida is certainly still vulnerable, particularly when you have a team like Virginia that has multiple good options. You know, Florida has a couple guys that can it can count on in the secondary, but once you start to test that depth with several good threats, you know, teams have been able to throw on Florida a little bit. You know, LSU obviously had plenty of success putting up 42 points on the Gators. Um, and so I, I think this could very well be um, an intriguing game because it could very well be a shootout. You know, Florida's offense on the flip side has been terrific this year. Uh, Florida doesn't run the ball particularly well, but quarterback Kyle Trask has taken over after Felipe Franks went down with a season-ending injury earlier in the season. And he's been terrific. He's been Florida's best quarterback since Tim Tebow. And really, the Florida passing attack has not been shut down all year. And so I, I think it, this matchup comes down to if Virginia comes out with a good plan and, and they're able to slow down Kyle Trask a little bit, I think this game has the potential to suddenly get very interesting where it could potentially end up in a shootout-type game. Uh, and, and I think that could be a lot of fun for fans. You know, you look at the matchup on paper, number 9 versus number 24. Not necessarily what you'd expect in a New Year's Six Bowl, but this one has the chance to be very fun because of Bryce Perkins' ability, because of Kyle Trask's ability on the flip side at quarterback for Florida, and because of the fact that these two teams have very, very different motivations going in. So it's going to be one heck of an Orange Bowl to watch, no doubt. Guys, if you want to hear more about the Florida Gators, you can check me out on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We release fresh episodes twice per week during football season and once a week the rest of the year. This was the College Football Daily Preview for the Capital One Orange Bowl. And I'm Thomas Goldcamp signing off. Thanks, Thomas. That's going to do it for today's College Football Daily Bowl previews. If you like what you heard from the guys, I put links to all their Twitter feeds and podcasts in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. We will be previewing every single bowl and bringing you regular episodes of the College Football Daily too. So if you like what you hear, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a holiday present, a five-star rating and review. For Michael McCammon, Joey Demling, Blair Angulo, Jeremy Werner, Thomas Goldcamp, and our hosts Connor Tapp and Trey Scott. I'm your producer, Tony Levitt, and we'll see you tomorrow with another edition of the College Football Daily. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.